Welcome to Bible Banter with Barb and Jarrett, a Lenten podcast for 2020 from the Episcopal Church of St. Martin in the Fields in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Today's podcast is for the fifth Sunday in Lent, Year A, focusing on the Gospel reading, John chapter 11, verses 1 through 45. Listen in! Hello, welcome to Bible Banter with Barb Ballinger and Jared Kerbel. I'm Jared Kerbel, the rector of Church of St. Martin in the Fields. I'm Barb Ballinger. I work here too. <laughs> Hi, Barb. Hi, Jared. How you doing today? I'm good. I'm keeping my social distance. Yes, we're recording this from about a meter and a half apart. Probably <laughs> not quite right. Oh well, we'll I'm do our best. <laughs> Today, uh, we're looking forward uh, to Sunday, where we read from the Gospel of John again. We're doing the story of Lazarus of Bethany. Barb and I are going to read through that Gospel passage. You can look it up in your own Bible at home at John chapter 11, 1 through 45. You can also look it up online, uh, find a Aramis Bible browser and Google John 11, 1 through 45. Barb will begin. Okay. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then, after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the leaders of the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world, but those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Judeans had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Judeans, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And of course, I want to sing, I am the resurrection <laughs> and I am the life. Here we go. Oh, I love that hymn so much. Sing along at home. <laughs> so, Barb, where's the glory of God? Oh my gosh, the glory of God's everywhere in this. So we were talking about this earlier. It seems like in this sort of coronavirus time, we're not, we don't want to get anywhere near each other. We don't want to touch each other. We can't because we're trying to care for each other that way. But in this story, 
God's not afraid of touching anything. And that's where God's glory is, I think. God's glory, this great presence of God that just blows people away, is in the touch into our life, into the raising of the dead, into the belief that comes through the sisters. Glory's everywhere. Indeed. And I love your phrase, um, there's nothing that God will not touch. That's a quote from Barb Ballinger, <laughs> which I really like. Because remember that part of the Lazarus story is he's totally unclean. The dead are the most unclean thing there are. In contact with the dead is to be scrupulously avoided. And he's not just three days dead, he's four days dead. <laughs> he's really and really truly dead. There will be, he's, he's yes. <laughs> What's what's in that movie? Uh, there's uh, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Wizard of Oz. I was thinking of the um, the Princess Bride. He's uh, he's he's really dead. He's four days dead. There'll be a stench. No. They're underlining certain things here to tell us that he is fully confirmed as dead. The three days being the test at the time that the person's actually dead. This underlines the glory of God that's meant to be revealed. And there's a setup for that, right? Because we have the same pattern we had in the other stories this Lent. The misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. The misunderstanding of what the purpose of the events is. The healing of the blind man, right? Again, we have a misunderstanding. Why does Jesus delay? Mm -hmm. Not because he's hard-hearted, but because he has a larger purpose in his ministry to reveal the character of God. This is a passage that has one of the great I am statements, right? Mm -hmm. Another theme that we keep seeing throughout Lent. There's a lot of these I am moments throughout our Sundays. Right. I am the resurrection and the life. Mm -hmm. He is revealing who he is. That's the point of the story. And Lazarus's raising is part, an illustration, if you will, of that point. I love how the, um, the 12 always seem to be the sort of the dopes in these stories. They're the ones who don't get it so that John can make it even clearer, you know. So, you know, here they're misunderstanding Lazarus fallen asleep. Oh, well, if he's asleep, won't he wake up again? He should be fine, Jesus, you know. And the, the woman at the well, when they're bringing the lunch, well, who gave him something to eat? I mean, they're always kind of this sort of foil for Jesus to say, here's what's really going on here. And then the other side of that is always there's this person of faith standing there ready to kind of receive the glory and name it and kind of get who Jesus is. And that's where Martha and Mary come in in this story, I think. And just like last week, it's the women who get it. Yeah. Right? right. Good old Martha and Mary are right there, you know, kneeling at the feet, having very frank conversations with Jesus. You know, if you'd only been here... I love that. That's yeah. a that's a wonderful model of prayer. Hey, Jesus, where were you? I needed you. It's like more of the sort of sparring where the women get to say kind of what really is hurting, what's really at stake, and what faith really means in the face of that hurting, painful thing. They're not sort of sugarcoating anything. I like the dopey disciples, too, because <laughs> we are dopey disciples. We are. <laughs> and the scripture makes a place for us to be as dopey as we need to be as we slowly, so slowly, comprehend who this Christ is in our life. The great mystery of what's been given to us is so deep and so unbelievable. You need to have a chorus of unbelievers in the scripture 
to make us go, yeah, okay, we're learning with you. Oh, there's a place for us to have our doubts and questions and concerns. And I just love good old Thomas at the end of the, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, remember this is a dangerous context for Jesus. He is going into a place where people want to stone him not so long ago. Yeah. And good old Thomas says, let us also go that we may die with him. Yeah. Gung ho, willing to go, but also not getting it. There, there's no doubt in this Thomas, actually. <laughs> this Thomas is like, you know, this actually means death. Exactly. And he's right. He's right. So. Right, it's an odd little foreshadowing there too, right? little yeah. foreshadowing. Yeah, again, yeah. Thomas kind of says it like it is. Right. Right. Well, Barb and I were talking earlier about the theme of glory in the Gospel of John. And this is not a word that Episcopalians use too much. You don't hear people shout out glory during worship. Um, We may sing glory, glory, alleluia. But in my experience, people don't know what the religious significance of that word is. We do a lovely glory at, at Christmas. You know, are we, that's when we do our glorias. You right. know? The angels sing glory. Right. Yes. And I just want to say a word about glory. Uh, the Hebrew word is kabod, K-A-B-O-D. Um, and the idea is rich. There's a lot of different meaning in it. But a primary meaning is reflected light. So in other words, to give glory is to point to the source of the light that you reflect. Hmm. So one of the early uses would be the reflection of sunlight off of shiny metal, shiny armor. Hmm. So the glory of God would be this reflected light. Hmm. So in our lives as believers and in these stories, we are reflecting reflecting the light of God into the world in the way we live our lives. Mm. And an important point of being a reflection is we don't take credit for the reflected light. We point to the source of the light Mm. and give the credit there. So you'll hear somebody say, glory be to God. Mm -hmm. So we're redirecting the merit of the situation. We're redirecting the goodness of the situation to its source i like that because there's a real um there's a real public nature of that there's something this is something that we do in the world not only do we reflect god's glory so that people see it who maybe haven't seen it before but we also witness we also have something to say about what's going on here we're not passive conduits we are actually guiding people's eyes and attention. So this is something about being a disciple in the world. This is what it means to walk through Lent, through Easter, onto the other side. So a good Lenten practice is just beginning to name where God is, you know, so that you can say, that, so that you can point to it, even in your own life. If we know where God's glory is, we're going to be better at saying to others, this is where I saw it. Look where I'm looking. That's fantastic. And thinking of Lent, we should be thinking that we're a people preparing for the good news of the resurrection. So how is Christ raising us to join him in the resurrection and the life? What's our new life being offered? How this Lent are we passing through death into life? I'm thinking of this very concretely. I've counseled a number of people who've survived a suicide attempt. Mm. And one of the things I rejoice in being able to say is, okay, well, you've faced death. 
you've had a literal dying experience and yet here you are what is this new life god is offering you um this is there's good news in this story you had great despair and sorrow your life had in your eyes lost its meaning which is a great horror for the soul well now you're here where is god giving you hope and new life and new opportunity and how will that restore meaning for you and that applies to all of us the suicide attempt is the extreme case but for all of us in daily life how is god reviving the meaning of our life how is god and we're all dying to things right now right we're dying to the life we'd plan for the next few weeks <laughs> we're dying yeah. we're dying to important gatherings that mean a lot to us I also love in this story of Lazarus what sort of comes towards the end that really touches on on what you're saying, Jared, and that is when people come back to life, they come back to life in community. We have a call and a response to help them live into the life they've come back to Mm. so that when Lazarus emerges from the tomb, Jesus says to the people, um, unbind him and let him go. Mm. So, and that is that place mm. where there's nothing God won't touch, and God calls us to touch what was dead and is coming back to life and to unbind it, to do the rest of the work, right? So, in order for Lazarus to walk into this life that's been granted back to him, others need to touch him. They need to take off the clothing that keeps him in a death shroud and give him something new to be. That happens, that does not happen alone. We have to be willing to 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 touch the death and the life and to be part of welcome back into life. So there's our call, my friends, for uh, this week of Lent, is how are we participating in the unwrapping of the bindings of death? How are we helping people become unbound from whatever hindrances and fears and obstacles keep them in that kind of half-dead life that takes the joy out of life, takes the meaning and purpose. It's a big part of our work here at the church, our big part of the work of our community. And I think we can turn to each other now especially and help people feel relief from isolation in appropriate ways, Mm -hmm. phone calls, notes, emails. We can still be loving with each other. We can still peel away the obstacles between us. Yeah, flatten the curve, but curve, but love across that social distance. There you go. That's a good place to end during a pandemic. Thank you, Barb. <laughs> Thanks, Jarrett. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Bible Banter with Barb and Jarrett. This has been a real joy to share this scripture with you. We hope you are all well. You are in our prayers. And we wish you all the best during this time of hunkering down for the common good. St. Martin's remains active and open in appropriate ways. We have much online presence to share with you, morning prayer every day through Zoom and Facebook Live. We're going to have Zoom Bible studies, it looks like. We are going to be with you in ways that we can be with you. We'll have Sunday offerings as well, including a scripture and sermon and prayer option and a Zoom worship together. So as we evolve, we will keep you up to date. Please also, if you can, drop off food at the church for our food pantry and other food pantries. 
And if you are willing to deliver food to people who are very isolated, please let us know. This has been Barb and Jarrett and Bible Banter. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Episcopal Church of St. Martin in the Fields in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You are welcome to join us for online worship on Sunday mornings, found on Facebook, YouTube, and our website, stmartinec.org forward slash worship. We have two offerings, 9.15 a.m. worship together for preschool families and 10.30 a.m. Holy Eucharist with music. We are also offering weekday morning prayer on Zoom and Facebook, as well as Bible studies. All of these details may be found on our website at stmartinec.org. Our online Holy Week and Easter schedule is also available on our website at stmartinec.org forward slash Holy Week Easter. We look forward to being with you in the digital space. Have a blessed Lent.